listening to Pop the Kettle On with Nicole Essio and Dr. Rachel Bushing. Hi, everyone. It is amazing. It has been eight months, but Pop the Kettle On is back. We're back, baby. We are back, baby. Um, it has been an eventful eight months. It has. There's been a couple of things going on. <laughs> And continue to go on. Um, but, you know, we're not going to worry about the world today. We're no. Just, we've decided that we are going to focus hard in on something that will help us all in this crazy time. And that is having a damn good cry. Damn good cry. Mm. Today we're talking beaches. We are talking the film that is beaches. And we are outside doing it. And so the birds have decided to join us, which is lovely. I don't know if you can hear that. Mm. I hope they can because that will be lovely. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. We've got some tea. We have. We have popped the kettle on. Birds are chirping. Yeah. Life is good. Faces are smiling. And we just finished wrapping up um, a conversation with a colleague of yours, Rach, mm-hmm. a peer of yours, Amanda Donnett from Spilt Milk Psychology, who did a 24-hour live Facebook stream. You know, that the whole idea that parenting is a 24-hour gig, mm-hmm. she went hard on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. It was yeah. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, in our world, it's Perinatal Mental Health Week. Oh. It's also Psychology Week. They're both happening. It's also NADOC. It is. And I um, hosted a like um, local mental health network meeting on Wednesday night, mm-hmm. 11th for the 11th. Wow. So I was like, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> We're here to celebrate four things. Yeah. <laughs> it's Oops. just crazy, crazy times. It is a busy, crazy time. Yeah. Um, and sometimes in busy, crazy times, you just need to have a bloody good cry have a good to cry. release some stress. Um, so listen, I, you know how we always sort of like choose a uh, pop cultural reference and then we have sort of like the theme of what it is that we're talking about? Yeah. I've come up with it already. We don't usually okay. do this. Right. Good. But go. we're going to call this one Beaches Plus Waterworks. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Because, as well as everything else this week, we've been moving into our new practice location in Red Hill, and it's on Waterworks <laughs> Road. Oh, my goodness. Could not have put that in a bow any better. How great is that? That is pretty great. I know, right? You are in two locations. <laughs> we're in two locations, two handy locations in West End and Red Hill. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I posted build it and they will come. Yes. Um, because, gosh, psychology services are just really overrun at the moment. There's mm. plenty of clients, but it's actually hard to find enough psychologists. So that's the next little challenge for me. Yeah. But it's gorgeous. It's like 19th century Federation old brick farmhouse, they said. Wow. And it has like, it's got very Melbourne vibes because it has fireplaces. Oh, wow. That don't work because we're in Queensland. But Because oh, who needs them? Super cute. So I've been fussing around decorating, buying furniture and just in my happy place. Oh, you love decorating. So I haven't posted enough pictures because I realised like the sun sets and I'm like, oh, it's now dark and, you know, the lighting's not good. So I'm like, oh, I can't take enough pictures. But anyway, <laughs> so how do, you, how do you feel about beaches plus waterworks? I love it. I love it. And, you know, I just love the idea that, uh, you know, there are many things that you can do to relieve stress and mm-hmm. and some of them are really fun like having a great laugh and you know like getting some exercise and you know there are lots of great ways to relieve stress but also sometimes you just need Mm. a bloody good cry yeah um and you have to have some go-tos for that yeah and this is definitely not that I've used it yes recently yeah um but beaches has always been a go-to for that kind of 
situation. See, I don't think I've ever put on a movie with the intent of crying, but I hear that some people do that. But I think I have a relatively uh, free-flowing waterworks tap. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. So, like, in fact, when I was little, like, um, my my parents literally used to say, here come the waterworks. (gasps) And not in a very kind way. (laughs) Rough. Very rough. (laughs) I think that when I would cry, it was often seen as crocodile tears. Ah. And what do you think? Crocodile tears being that intentional yeah. tears. Mm, you made it happen. Kind of fake tears. I can see now from this space of 40 years old. Ding, 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 ding. Hmm. I turned 40 during mid-year. Yeah. Um, that I think I have a very uh, – have a, I have a free-flowing waterworks tap, but I'll go to tears if I'm anxious mm-hmm. or if I'm angry. Yeah. Probably even more than if I'm sad. Yep. Yep. Big one is an angry crier. Right. And, yeah. And then gets annoyed at herself for having cried about being so damn angry because it dimin- it feels like it diminishes the weight of the, the message that the anger is bringing. For sure. Yeah. Mm. And I really, I didn't understand this about myself when I was little. Yeah. Um, but, in, you know, again, now you put all the pieces together, like I would cry pretty much every day. Wow. In fact, my mum at some point when I was probably about eight instituted a rewards chart. Huh? If you don't cry today, Rach, everyone at the dinner table gets a chocolate. <laughs> oh, wow. Roping everybody in on the situation. That's, it, it that's was, It was not ideal. <laughs> um, because all I remember, I remember it vividly. I can paint the picture of sitting at my dining table back in the town where we lived in northern New South Wales and my sister's just both like death staring me like you better not have cried today wow that's um that's conducive to excellent familial sister kind of relationships I'm sure yeah and so I'm very attuned to the fact that um you know it didn't really stop me from crying but it did make me lie Oh, about not crying. About not crying. Correct. Oh, it's amazing the unintended consequences, Mm. isn't it? So I I have an I have an odd relationship with me and my tears. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I I know that I am quicker to that emotional um, kind of midline joy slash you know like happy cry slash. Mm-hmm. Um, tinged with sadness cry yeah much more open to that and easy to it having yeah. children yeah. you know like um, I was always quite happy to have a cry if I was feeling emotional mm-hmm. but um, but yeah once the kids came it was that real I think poignancy gives me you know those emotional poignant moments where I don't know uh, even in an ad or whatever and you see that kind of thing yeah. and you're like <laughs> That's yeah. why they do grow up so quickly. Yeah, <laughs> sentimentality. Sentimentality yeah. gets me every time. I think I, I find since having kids, absolutely that gets me too. Mm, yeah. Mm. But Beaches is not uh, about, well, it's not less about sentimentality and about actual grief. Actual grief. Actual grief. So I watched it last night. Amazing. I only put it on at about nine o'clock. Mm. We had our, I wanted to do a rewatch um, because it's been a while. I realized that we used to watch it a fair bit when we were kids um, and I didn't get the same tear jerkery thing. Oh. It, it really takes a dark turn. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's like, and it's such a happy, joy-filled, lovely friendship movie. Yes. And then it's like the last 15 minutes is like, spoiler alert, oh, okay, 
now she dies. Now she must die. <laughs> now she not must. That way, but now yeah. she must die. And it's not really any forewarning that that's where it's going to lead to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's such a cute movie. Like all the musical numbers with Bette Midler. I know. It's just so like. Yeah, because I, I, they're all really familiar to me. She does this like Otto Titzling musical yes. kind of thing. Da, 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 the invention of the Brazier. Yep. And I was like, I know all the words to this song. I was like, I, we we watched this a lot when we were kids. Yeah. But I had not seen it in years. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw it and I did not do homework because yeah. I didn't even look whether it was on a streaming service or oh, anything. I really like wanted that. to fall asleep right before the kind of tearjerker part oh. too. And I was like, no, 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 stay awake. It's homework. Keep going. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to cry. I don't think I'm going to cry. And then suddenly I'm like, I've got to show you, Nick. I'm such a dork, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, you've got a tear pick. I love it. I took a tear pick. That is hilarious. Is that I love super it. thirsty or what? That is hilarious. There's actually literally a tear on oh, my cheek. Hero tear. <laughs> oh, that is an actor hero tear right there. That's amazing. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's really funny because I was up watching it myself, and it was about eleven o'clock by this stage, and I was kind of like, "Oh, the tears are coming," and I was like, "Look, I've got to capture it for, for the." The you sake to, of, you're going to need to post that. The That's sake impressive. of the podcast, I thought so. <laughs> I was like, I've never taken a tear selfie before. We'll see how this goes. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's not a it's not a, an ugly cry, so that's good. I, I um, thought that too. Mm, yeah. So the movie, it, it starts with this um, very unusual friendship between these two young girls. Yeah. And it's it's they're such opposite sides of the tracks kind of thing, you yeah. know, like, you know, one's on the wrong side of the tracks and is a bit of a hustler and the other one comes from great wealth and privilege and has quite a snooty upbringing yeah. and how these two seemingly completely opposite human beings can actually connect on such a really deep friendship level and, yeah. and how that sustains them throughout their entire lives is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, they become one another's family. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and and it's something that we were talking about just before with Amanda around that French friends becoming family thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't always get the biological family that can do for you what you need. Yeah. And sometimes they're not around or, you know, maybe they they literally aren't around. Um, but you can choose family yeah. with the friendships that you choose, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and these two chose each other. And it's so beautifully done, this friendship of back and forth in that kind of sisterhood way mm. of, you know, there's push and pull. There's sometimes one wants one more than the other. Sometimes yeah. they, you know, get upset with each other. and But eventually it comes back because that pull of love and sisterhood and friendship is, is yeah. really true and strong. Yeah. There's this moment like they have a, a break of a few years of not talking to one another and then – so um, uh, the two character, central characters is um, Hilary mm-hmm. Whitney – Yes, indeed. And she's all played by a woman, tip of my tongue. Barbara. Barbara Hershey. Hershey. And so she's the kind of like rich, sort of snooty, mm. gorgeous one. And then, oh, God, Bette Midler. Oh, mm. my God, she's so good as Cece Bloom, mm-hmm. the dramatic and the theatrical one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they have a break of a few years and um, uh, Hillary shows up out of the blue um, to see Cece again. Mm. And Cece goes... You took the, our friendship off the table without even consulting me. <laughs> that was the most important thing in my life yeah. and you took it away. Yeah. I was like, 
and then she goes away yeah. forever. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and she has a daughter. And, she does. you know, um, Cece goes on to raise the daughter. Because she, not only does she have a daughter, but she has a congenital kind of yeah, degenerative heart disease thing. of mm. some kind um, yeah. that I can't remember. It's some kind of um, virus that infected her heart. So, yeah, I thought it was, uh, you know... I didn't remember that. Yeah, I, I know right. she dies. I sort of thought it was cancer or something. Ah. So, yeah, it's some kind of like um, virus that infected her heart. And then so she has like degenerative um, sort of cardiac issues. Mm. Yeah. For but yeah, gets, a few months, gets sick and then dies. Gets sick and then and dies. And so this, the daughter is then left in the care of C.C. Bloom. Yeah. Um, the, the very theatrical, very um, at that point – Famous yeah. CC Bloom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Are you crazy about Bette Midler? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> crazy about Bette Midler. Oh I have God. been. Forever. I bought a record of Best of Bette Midler. Amazing. Yeah. So um, for my 40th, which was back in July, um, my husband, who's six years older than me, he got a record player for his 40th. Yeah. And so I forced him to buy me um, a retro Danish kind of cocktail cabinet Um, and so then bullied also my friends into buying me cocktail mixes or records (laughs) to go in said cabinet yeah Mm -hmm. so we've we've got very bets in there bets in there yeah I I got it it from a second hand shop just the other day amazing I know I I did that when we got our record player I bought Angela Lansbury um, doing MAME oh wow yeah 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 and I, I just thought it was classic. Yeah. Absolute classic. Yeah. I bought like Doris Day. Yeah. <laughs> Not because I'm a massive fan, but I was like, it's fi- five bucks or three bucks or something. And, and I was fits. like, there's got to be some Doris Day. There has to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bet has always been, I think Beaches was something. So it came out in 1998. So we're talking, I was 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my sister and my mum and I watching it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it was a number of times because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think it was one of those movies that came on like at you know, like every year it would come on TV yeah. and stuff like that. I don't remember seeing it at the, at the movies. Yeah. But it was something that we would always kind of gravitate towards yeah. if it was on. Yeah. Um, and that sort of sisterhood vibe of it, yeah. I think, was, was quite strong for yeah. us. Because um, my mum's one of five girls and, you know, obviously I'm one of two girls. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was a bit of a sisterhood thing going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, Um It is kind of similar to, say, The Notebook. Like, I've never seen that. Oh, I know. You'll have to see it. Because <laughs> um, that's often brought up as, like, the, you know, the chick flick, the kind of every woman loves the notebook mm. and like it, it does this is a man and woman's relationship but it does have that same feature of like flashing back to the history of their relationships and the ups and the downs and all yeah. of that kind of thing and yeah yeah and um there are tears there are tear triggers in that one as well nice <laughs> nice but yeah I mean I think uh, uh, for me Beaches was always primarily around that just the solidity of female friendship yeah um, and then, of course, the grief part. I mean, at the time that I saw it, I I had a lot of people die in mm. my childhood. You know, there was a lot of death around, yeah. uh, a lot of funerals to go to. Yeah. And so I think for us it was a little bit of a cathartic thing to watch right. that play out again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of assessing that in my mind really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's the, – that grief of, of particularly the child losing her mom and everything. Yeah. You know, like it's really – and it's, it's rough. It's it's presented in quite a confronting way too. Like mm. there's a lot of the little actress who plays the daughter oh, watching amazing. it last night. I was like, oh, she's doing a really good job. Where mm. is she now? Don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. For sure. Mm. Um. Do you think that was intentional 
from your parents to play beaches to help you process the my loss? My mum, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I should have. I will have to ask her. Mum, I know that you're going to listen to this when this comes out, so I'll have to ask, remind me to ask you about whether my memory of this is is clouded in my yeah. love for Bette Midler or whether. <laughs> and this may demonstrate a, a key difference in our how we were raised. My mother's rewarding me for not crying, <laughs> and your mother's potentially putting on sad movies to. <laughs> yes, but I wasn't crying every day, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, maybe there's a difference there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the sort of tears thing, right? I think that like, especially as a psychologist, I think there really is this association with like tears are a sign of sadness. Yeah. And, you know, it's not. And Mm. we have complex ways of displaying our emotions Mm -hmm. through our body. There's something around the chemistry of tears that it's different if it's happy tears or laughter tears. put them under the microscope and tears actually look different under a microscope depending on whether they're happy tears or sad tears or angry tears or frustrated tears. It's it's quite an extraordinary thing. And it's a natural mechanism that our body has to Mm. kind of, you know, have an outlet for those emotions. Um, I think to geek for kind of five minutes or so. Go on. You know, I love it when we geek out. Evolutionary biology perspective. um, You know, again, inside out gets it very right. Oh, so good. (laughs) We've got our core emotions around Mm. sadness, anger, fear, and joy Mm. and disgust. And, um, you know, that when we look at sort of tears being associated with the sadness spectrum, Mm. a lot of people that I work with really struggle to get behind the rationale of there's utility in the sadness spectrum. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this a bit in the Inside Out episode because that's the whole Riley's character arch is getting in touch with her sadness and that it's okay to feel sad. Mm. But, you know, I think on the surface level, people will kind of say, yeah, I suppose it's, I suppose if I didn't feel sad, I wouldn't know what happy feels like. Mm. It's like, no, like the purpose of sadness is not just to contrast with happiness. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that this, yeah, hello, neighbor's dog. I think this sort of evidence around sort of like there's a different chemical component to tears when they're sadness tears or grief tears or disappointment tears Mm. or shame tears is that there's something in that that is assisting our body to flush those um, chemicals out Ah. in a way that assists us to um, reconcile the problem we have at hand. Right. So emotions are meant to be problem solvers. They're a problem-solving reflex or instinct. Yeah. And when we're not trying to shut down our emotional response, when we're just allowing emotions to come out as they may, then when something disappointing or upsetting or we lose someone we love, like, you know, all of that is meant to be something that we should express Mm. emotionally. And there's something in the expression of it that helps us to solve the problem. Ah, That's amazing, isn't it? And to to, to sort of like go even deeper into that then, then people will be like, oh, okay, so... You know, I'm supposed to cry when someone dies because uh-huh. why again? Yeah. <laughs> like, how does that help me? Mm. It's not going to bring the person back. Mm. The theory is that it sits within the fundamental uh, conditions of what it means to be a human being, mm. a homo sapiens, is that we are pack animals, we're yes. social animals. And it's fundamental to us as human beings to feel connected to our tribe. Yeah. So the idea of losing 
a member of the tribe a member of the tribe hits us like a real um affront to our felt safety so there's a trauma associated with that kind of loss Mm. and the point is not oh if I cry I'll feel better but there's something about allowing the emotions to come out Mm. that makes us go this is something major and significant that has happened in my life yeah warning like alert I actually can't control everything yes in my life yeah and how is it then that I regroup and pull myself or my tribe together in the light of shit happens. Yeah. So, you know, grief tears are meant to be about processing and adjusting, reconciling and accepting the parts we can't control, mm. but like orienting to what is it that I want to stand for? Like what is it that matters most to me? Mm. So it's meant to help us reflect. Wow. And you can't reflect unless you go quiet. Yes. And face some hard truths. Yeah. And feel sad about that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in Beaches and another movie that I love for Go To Crying, Still Magnolias, they're both about loss. Mm. It's it's grief tears that, that... that really trigger for me mm. um, that that response. Yeah. And interestingly, in Still Magnolias, it's the daughter that passes away. Spoiler alert. <gasps> I haven't um, seen it, Nick. What sorry. are you doing to me? Fun. Um, and, and in this one, it's the mum that passes away. And I think, you know, I think it would be remiss of us to not kind of bring up the, the very big and real massive thing that's happened in your life, Rach. Yes. Um, and part of, I think what's made our big break it's not just about pandemic but it's also about life and that's because your mama passed away she did yeah yeah see me dodging and avoiding i did i did <laughs> and we can dodge and avoid here's another thing to. i do is i also laugh when i'm uncomfortable yes i know that <laughs> i know that about you yeah I do. I do also have some tears yeah shush dog <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I was just saying to Nick because, like, we haven't caught up as much recently because we haven't been doing the podcast either. No. But Nicole's always stayed in touch with me about what's been happening. I said to her, I feel like the whole time we've been doing the podcast, there's been a major unspoken event that I and my family have been grappling with. Mm. And it's because my mum was diagnosed with cancer around the time we started the podcast. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, And it was right when I opened up the West End office as well. Mm. In fact, I remember she couldn't make the opening because um, she went to an appointment that day and just sort of like wasn't up for it. Yeah. So my mum was diagnosed with stage four endometrial cancer Mm -hmm. and a stage one ovarian cancer. Mm Mm-hmm. And a stage one breast cancer. Yeah. And um, it was roughly two years from diagnosis to death. And she had been unwell and losing weight and having various aches and pains for a year or two before she got diagnosed. And one of the big difficulties that I was shouldering is that my mum did not want anyone to know. Mm Mm-hmm. And she really saw illness as a sign of weakness. Yeah. And it made it particularly difficult because there were certain pockets in my life in which it wasn't permissible for me to talk about 
what was going on. Yeah, which puts quite a burden on you. Yeah, mm. the podcast being one. Yeah, because <laughs> she listened. And my dear mum, <laughs> she listened to every bloody episode. <laughs> <laughs> she sent the dog to bark in the middle of this one. <laughs> Damn you, Rachel, stop talking about me. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> um, yeah, she passed away on the 1st of July. And, um, yeah, I suppose that's, what, four months now, four mm. and a half. And um, it just really sucked. Yeah. Because, um, you know, in her final months, there was the stress of the pandemic as well. Yeah. And, you know, my mum, she not only didn't want people to know that she was sick, she didn't want herself to know yeah. that she was <laughs> Hello, Denial, you're my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I, you know, she sort of first started getting some things investigated, like it was sort of toward the end of um, 2018. Mm. And things were starting to come back looking a little bit like, hmm, there's a, there's an obstruction, there's a, there's a, there's a something, we're Mm going to follow it up. Um, And she had sort of like a major surgery, um, around that time because they basically said mm, there's something and there's a lot of it so yeah. we'd better go in yeah and pull as much of it out as as we can yeah and my mum was really like illness phobic mm-hmm. and had prided herself on not smoking not drinking doing yoga mm-hmm. organic you know alkaline yeah. sugar-free yeah she did all the things she did all the right things yeah yeah doesn't seem to matter though does it sometimes it's coming for you this is what we say about life and the shit we can't control. Exactly. And I think that there's a certain arm of the wellness industry that can be rather toxic. Yes. And shaming. Yes. Around this stuff too. Oh, that's so true. And it was really, really hurtful that my mum in the face of illness was also really afraid of medical intervention Mm. and mistrustful. Yeah. And I don't blame the wellness industry I you know that's this is my mum's makeup Mm. she's a woman who you know when you have to eulogize someone (laughs) yeah you have to think about the themes of their life and what they stood for and um my mum my mum was born the eighth in a family of 10 children wow and her temperament as well as that family condition was very much one of I'm here I know what I want. <laughs> I'm incredibly smart. Yeah. You know, her family were um, Catholic farmers mm-hmm. and there wasn't – her dad was, like, quite smart and quite involved in the community. Like, he ran for labour. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I told you that. He did, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and so he was very kind of not, – not educated sort of officially, but very sort of smart. Yeah, and my nana, so like my mum's mum, was one of fourteen children. Wow! And you know, I think finished primary school, didn't go on to high school type thing. Yeah, you know, gorgeous, loving, big open arms. You Mm -hmm. know, loved grandchildren, just like really family focused. And you know, my mum, I think she took temperamentally more after her her father. Yeah. And she was smart. Mm. And, you know, she was born in 1955 and it was just very weird for girls to be smart. Yeah. The nuns had to convince her mum that she should do her, you know, senior schooling. Yeah. 
and then to go on to university. Mm-hmm. And my mum always said you could be a, a nurse or a teacher. So yes, she absolutely. chose teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she wasn't a bedpan fan. She chose teaching. Oh, but she, you know, she this was her, this was her thing. She prided herself on being the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. being in the know, being mm-hmm. a self-starter. Mm-hmm. And throughout her sort of adult life, like, was always kind of learning. And now I'm into this and now I'm into that and, like, perpetual student. Yeah, love it. So I think in the face of her own illness, it was such a leap for her to accept and acknowledge. Yeah. And I, you know, I went to um, – this was really difficult for me because I was like, how to support someone when I can't even say the word cancer. Mm. You know, I went and saw a psychologist at the Cancer Council. Big thumbs up. They give you six free sessions. Thank you, Cancer Council. Thank you, Cancer Council. Um, and basically, like, I called a colleague of mine who works with cancer mm. and I was like, I think I need to see someone. I don't know what's going on. What am I meant to do? And she sent me to the Cancer Council. And my psychologist there just worked with me on acceptance. That's so amazing. And positioning myself in a way that acknowledges and supports mum's own decision making. Because in the end, it's not your decision. It's not your choice. Yeah. It's, you know, mm-hmm. like if we, if we are my body, my choice proponents, then we are that until the end. <laughs> Much That's as so we want to tell our mummies what to do. <laughs> I know. And to have that role reversal too, right? Mm. And, you know, I love about my mum that she's so headstrong. (laughs) She may have passed on some of those things, I'm just saying. (laughs) Perhaps. Um, Yeah, and, you know, I think that like all positive traits, it comes with another side. Oh, of course. And as we've said on this podcast before, and that's why we (laughs) sometimes talked about sneaky things like grief and how being raised by a woman like this who's health phobic and grief phobic, (laughs) that also rubbed off. Yep. And Nick sort of very kindly supporting me through like, there's a way through, this may be okay. Yeah. You know, my my aunt passed away about a year before my mum and this was my my mum's brother's wife and I went to the funeral with the all the family and my mum who sat there oblivious to the idea that that may be her in a year yeah of course (laughs) and all her brothers and sisters being like how's your mum she's lost a lot of weight she doesn't look too great and Mm. me just going yeah (laughs) Uh (laughs) we're just loving her through it (laughs) gonna love her through it And I think one of the hardest things by the end, we sort of had to say to mum, you need to tell one of your sisters. She didn't want visitors. Mm. She didn't want, she came to acceptance, but she did not want to lose control of her own dying process if that's where it was going. And I really came to respect that actually. Mm. And so she sort of, we recruited one of her sisters who she was happy to sort of say, this is where it's at. By this stage, my mum was in palliative care. Yeah, wow. She let it go a long way before she got to that place. <laughs> and stubborn, still stubborn, stubborn. was like, I don't want anyone to know and I don't want visitors. I think the hardest thing, and we said this to mum, like, it's too much of a burden that when you're gone, we then have yes. to assist everyone else with not only their grief, but, but their, their shock. shock. 
And so when it came to the funeral and everything, you know, like I think for me and my sisters, it was like, I have the grief, I don't have the shock. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing the Cancer Council lady told me is that, you know, know, she's like, if you had to take grief served with shock or grief served doled out over a long period of time, Mm. she goes, no one is better than the other. No. Besides which you don't get to choose. No. But she said... And the end result is always the same. Exactly. The person goes and you are bereft and you're, and you're having to your without them. Yeah. yeah. But she said, you know, there are benefits to both of those scenarios too. Yes. yes. You know? Yeah. That to have the shock loss means that, well, geez, like they had a ripper of a day, you yeah. know, <laughs> they were yep. living a really good life. <laughs> and there wasn't that kind of seeing it coming. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When I think about my own mortality, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's not a too too bad a way to go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas when you have the drawn out process, you do get the luxury of time. You get to say to yourself, how do I, what do I want to commit to defining this period by? Mm. And I think by the end, we got to a place of like, just yeah. love her. Mm-hmm. Just love her through it. It's a pretty good place to get to. And her passing was really loving. Yeah. And she was still in denial, but I sort of came to really see that as protective. Yeah. You know? And she also got to be, she went into the palliative ward and she goes, I'm going to do a lot of healing here. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, yeah. Yeah. You will. Oh, they're very good. (laughs) There's one thing that palliative care professionals are good at. And they cried, you know? And she had a really good day before her last decline into, like, losing consciousness. Mm. And then she was unconscious for, like, five days. And I was like, mum, yeah, let go. Yeah. But, you know, I really, I really value that experience. And I value you guiding me through to the fact that we can help people transition out of this life and onto the next stage. Her passing wasn't traumatic. Yeah. Um, but it's been complex because yeah. of all the things I just described. Yeah. And I think in reality, actually, myself and my family, like my little family unit, we're better mm. now because the last couple of years we had lost <laughs> a lot of what makes her her anyway. Yeah. 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 And there were jobs to be done. Yes, of course. And things that she couldn't do. Yeah. And it was an incredibly stressful couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And now there is relief. Yeah. And just sadness. Yeah. Because, you know, your mum was young as yeah, well. Yeah, 65. So there, is, there is a lot of sadness around that. You know, and the other thing I thought to myself at, you know, certain points, I was like, she's young. She probably had another 20 years. Mm. And that was really sad. But then I went. What she would wouldn't have been. Liked? She wouldn't have liked aging. Yeah. She like those rock stars, you uh-huh. know. She would not have liked, you know, what comes with aging. She's more Jimi Hendrix than Keith <laughs> Richards, is what we're saying. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm cut from a different cloth, you yeah. know. Like I'm much more able to sort of just kind of like, you know, <laughs> slide into old age. What did we say? Grace and Frankie Grace style. Grace and Frankie style. Like I'm kind of looking forward to the graying and mm. the sagging and the, you know, I mean, now I'm at 40, I'm at the precipice. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm at the hump day of life. You are. <laughs> That's you what are. it means to be over the hill. Um, You know, but 
I think this is a, an uncomfortable transition time being midlife. Yeah. My hope is that I age, that I embrace aging. Mm. And, you know, my mum, I don't think she ever would have done that. Yeah. <laughs> I think she would always be like, I can't do the yoga anymore. Yeah, exactly. And just be, and be really frustrated. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And I, I think the whole um, the whole aging thing, you know, I'm – I choose it over the alternative every day of the week yeah like that is absolutely I want to be here but then you do wonder about that point at which it gets to be a zero sum or even negative game yeah um and that in beaches I think they same deal she had that beautiful day on the the beach um as her sort of last day yeah and what an absolute gift to be able to do that yeah but I think what it reminds us is that the shock deaths mm. also happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have to, I think, work to a place where, okay, well, if it happened today, I would be yeah. really shitty about it because yeah. there's so much yeah. that I want to do and want to see and want to be and, yeah. you know, but yeah. do I like me and would I be comfortable with that? Yeah, yeah. pretty much, yeah. you know? So I think that's I think that's aspirational to yeah. work towards that, that yeah. idea that, you know, if it happened, would you be okay? Yep. Um, Letting people know that they're loved. Yeah. And that's, I think that is one thing, this whole pandemic thing has really kind of borne out. That Mm. idea of connection is actually what makes it worthwhile in the first place. You know, we might not get to be together. And, you know, there are people who are listening right now who are back in lockdown. And we are sending so much love because we have the privilege of not having that experience right now touch yeah. wood yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but those connections are still strong that love is still yeah. there and reaching across and Absolutely. being each other's witness to each other's yeah. lives and things is still really important even if it's on zoom yeah you know that's um, right and we just we do our best yeah and um yeah you know glennon doyle yes i do and she has this little sort of like saying that she repeats often I don't always follow her channels, like, you know, religiously, but, you know, she says, we can do hard things. Yeah. And, you know, when my mum was sick and we were going into the hospital and this, that and the other, I was like, I can do this. Mm. I don't want to, but I can. Yeah. I I can do hard things. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm proud of myself. You should be. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with everybody. I know that was rough. (laughs) It's okay. It's good tears. But it's also grief, while it is a beast, is a reminder of love, right? Mm. Grief is is an expression of love. Yeah. And, you know, the sappy sentimental me, just I find it a beautiful thing to be reminded of love in any way in which that happens Um, because, yeah, I am a big, big sap. (laughs) So thank you for telling us about your mama love story because that's really cool. You're very Um, welcome. And I think that if you need to process anything grief-wise, then, you know, using a movie like Beaches or Steel Magnet, like you can use those things to trigger what you need to trigger. You can't always dip into your own well. Sometimes you need some outside support whether at that be crying is not weakness no oh my goodness no it's strength it is absolutely strength because it's vulnerability right yeah um and there's a reason why we want to gather at funerals why we want to hug someone and be held mm. and you know if you've been socialized to resist or avoid that 
contact with other people when you feel at your worst. Mm. Take it from a psychologist. <laughs> that is just your socialization. Yeah. Your biology and your humanity is saying reach out and connect with someone. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're supporting someone through it, you don't need to you don't need to say anything. Yeah. It's really there's something about the chemical content of the tears and there's also oxytocin that gets released when someone cuddles us. Yeah. And all those things are telling us as a human being these things matter. And we're still connected and here's your tribe Mm. and here's what we stand for Mm. in the face Mm. of all of this. Indeed. Indeed it is. And that brings me to our our little tagline that we have. But first Mm. of all, you know, like obviously you can follow Pop the Kettle on on Facebook Mm -hmm. and on Twitter if Mm -hmm. I remember to tweet. Um, You can follow Rach at Pop Psychology and in her new location at Red Hill, Little Word Red Hill, um, and also (laughs) in Sussex Street at West End. It's just amazing. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Seriously, it's really cool. Um, And uh, until next time, Rach. Hug your babies. Hug your babies. Hug each other. Um, and be kind to yourself. Absolutely. And one another. Yeah. And we will talk to you next time, hopefully on a more regular basis than eight (laughs) months from now. (laughs) Bye. Bye.